Hi, this is Peter Rivera, and I'm the original drummer and lead singer of the group Rare Earth. We've had a long career, 50 years. We've played all over the world. We've recorded many, many albums and lots of hit singles. I'm going to talk about them all. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the stories. So I love James Like 1985, 86, 87, and in my neighborhood, there was a little league, and my son, my oldest son, was about eight years old, and so we went and signed up for the little league, and it was pretty exciting because I had in my backyard. I had gotten one of those little round trampolines and I leaned it against the fence and my two boys would be, I'd be, you know, three feet from it and they'd be behind me over there about 15 feet back and I would throw a baseball into the trampoline and it would pop it up back to the boys. And so we had this fun thing because I would pretend we were in a big stadium and I'd go, here he is, ladies and gentlemen, at bat, number 42, Jesse Horlbeck. Ba 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 boom. And he hits a ball. It's a high fly ball. Casey's going over and he dies. Of course, Casey would dive and wouldn't catch it. And Jesse wouldn't catch it. And they dove and just laughed. I'm telling you, it was so much fun. We did that like every day. And we'd, we'd just say, here we are, RFK Stadium. And, and, uh, Here's a wind-up and a pitch. A high fly ball to center field. Horlbeck's back. He's got it. You know, and he'd catch the ball and roll over into the weeds and just laughing. And so I loved playing with my my boys. And, uh, you know, Casey was six. Jesse was eight. Blake was like four. She was just the cutest little thing. And she always wanted to be with, you know, be in on things, so I popped up a couple balls to her. Of course, she didn't really know, but hey, we were having fun. We were a great family, just having a, a joyous time. And so we signed up to the Little League, and I decided to go to uh, the Little League meeting. And when I got there, uh, I met all these people, and, and they were all the board of trustees of the Little League. And they were kind of having fun, you know, they were made up a lot of doctors and lawyers and, and I mean it was a pretty pretty affluent neighborhood. I I got in there in seventy eight, so uh, I, I lived there and uh, at the meeting they were so happy toasting each other because from the year before the year before that they had accumulated money in the little league account. And they had a certificate of deposit for like 25 grand. And I went to the Little League fields and I thought, my gosh, they, they were terrible. The infield was like a, a, some pasture, you know, with rut holes in it and all this. And now I'm trying to teach my kids how to catch ground balls and the balls are taking bad hops and everything else. So I spoke up at the meeting. And I said, you know, we have these fields that need maintenance. We, we need stuff done to them and, and blah, 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 blah. And they, they really didn't want to hear that. Anyways, a friend of mine that I had uh, got to know was a pretty big time attorney. And they 
elected him as president of the league. So I went to him and I said, hey, you know, why don't you part with a little bit of that money? Let me get the gardeners that I know around town here. Let's get over there and fix these infields and fix the fields up. And he was all for it. I think they gave me like $500 to have. So I called these guys in and we completely stripped the infield. There were two fields, so we stripped the infield right down to the dirt and planted it with seed and, and just rolled it out. And it was like, you know, this was like in uh, September, October. And the season was over, of course. And uh, so for the next season, gosh, I can remember getting up and going down to that field and hand watering those infields two times a day, sometimes three times a day. You know, I was, wasn't doing much, so I had the time. So my little red truck that I was in going down the road, coming to the fields, got got to be known by a lot of the neighbors. And they, they knew that I was out there. I guess kind of looked at me probably like I was the head gardener of the town. I didn't care. I was having a good time. These are my kids and all the other kids too. So I made these infields and come the, the opening day in May, the fields just looked like Dodger Stadium. They were perfect. So now I'm getting patted on the back. Hey, nice job, nice job, nice job. So I go to uh, my friend again, and and uh, he has the purse strings, right? He's got the purse. And I said, you know, the infields look so good. We really need to do the outfields. We need to fix the fences over here. We need to open up a, a, a much better snack shack and we had a decrepit old batting cage, a single batting cage that that uh, was all rickety. So I tore it down. Oh, people got crazy. But I had something in mind. The road crew was out on the street. Big machinery. They had everything you'd possibly need. And I went out there and talked to them. I said, hey, you know, for the kids, man, we need, we, we really need this field done for the kids. The next thing I know, here comes this great big tractor out on the field and they went back from right field line to left field line and they just scraped everything. We turned it to dirt and we put seed on it and we had got all the sprinklers working. I mean, they were terrible, but we got them all working. And I called the uh, t telephone company and talked to, it turns out that one of the upper, upper echelon people at the phone company lived in the neighborhood. So I talked to him, I says, you know, we really need to have a good batting cage. He sent out a crew and they installed four telephone poles, drilled the holes, put the poles in, kind of big. So we built three batting cages from it. And, uh, you know, just, I don't know why I was telling you about that. I just thought I'd tell you. But, you know, at the same time, the Little League had a party. And I agreed to play at the party and sit in. And we had another guest. It was uh, Little Anthony and the Imperials. It was a great night. Anthony did uh, two or three, four of his hits and, of course, I played and, 
you know, there it was, the Little League Festival. I'll probably come back to this later because I didn't know at the time that this was the beginning of what would be actually a career for my boys in professional baseball. And uh, there's a whole years and years and years of stories of that that I'm not going to get into right now. It became 1991, and I got a phone call from a guy named Jerry Corbetta. And Jerry was the lead singer, writer of his group, Sugarloaf. And the hit that he came out with was Green-Eyed Lady. And Jerry had been playing with an organization called the 30 Years of Rock. They were touring around the country. And one of the guitar players was a guy named Mike Panera. And Mike had a hit song called Ride, Captain, Ride. And he quickly got out of that band and went into the Iron Butterfly and continued on doing songs on their albums and singing Inagata De Vida. And there was one other fellow, his name was Dennis Noda, and he was the musical director on that 30 Years of Rock. And he played bass, great bass player great guy. So they called and said that they wanted to get together and have a coffee and talk about the possibilities of putting together a group. I had hits, Mike had hits, Jerry had hits, Dennis was a music director for Cannibal and the Headhunters, that's Land of a Thousand Dances. So we made arrangements to get together and I drove over and we had a coffee and we talked and reacquainted because I had met some of these guys oh, 15, 18 years prior to that on the road with Rare Earth. And uh, we had a nice coffee and talked about putting a band together. I was a little skeptical because, you know, it's just an odd thing. And uh, the other guys were, you know, wondering if it would work and we really didn't know. So we weren't jumping into too much stuff, just talk, just talk. We finally decided to have a rehearsal. So there was a facility that we went to and we just set up and we jammed a little bit on each other's songs and we worked up uh, one or two of mine and, and one or two of Mike and a couple of Jerry and Dennis did Land of a Thousand Dances. And it sounded pretty good. We were having some fun with it. And there was a show coming up. It was a benefit for kids. So we said, hey, yeah, let's go do that. So we went and we did that show and everything was pretty cool and came back and more rehearsal. And of course, we were telling our agents that we knew, hey, we got this band and we're trying to come up with a name for it. And so we decided on the Classic Rock All-Stars. And that was in 1991. And so the agents came up with a date here and a date there, and we went out and, and uh, Classic Rock All-Stars. Well, another guy that was available and showed some interest in being in that band also was Mickey Dolenz from The Monkees. 
So we had a meeting, a rehearsal meeting with Mickey Dolan. So we took some pictures and things like that. And we decided to work up, uh, you know, like the last train to Clarksville and a few other monkey songs that Mickey sang. And now there were five of us, classic rock all-stars. So we did some shows like that and we kind of had fun. But, you know, Mickey was obviously the most recognizable name, you know, the monkeys was huge, you know, and uh, so we did some of those shows and Mickey, you know, he kind of had other things to do eventually a few months later and he wanted to, to go do those other things. And it was okay. We were all right with it. We still had the four of us, the nucleus of the classic rock all-stars. And then another guy that uh, from Wales, uh, Spencer Davis and Spencer as as you know he had some big hits with Gimme Some Lovin' and I'm a Man and Steve Winwood was the lead singer and, and uh, Spencer used to tell us that when he put that group together he was like 21 years old and they were all like 17 so he called it the Spencer Davis group and it paid off for him to this day it pays off for him and that's really good. Well, Spencer came with the group and we started working up Give Me uh, Give me Some Lovin' and I'm a Man. And Spencer would sing it and we'd all play the, the music behind it. So now we had lots of dates with the Classic Rock All-Stars with Spencer Davis. Now Spencer realized that there really was no leader to this band. We were all leaders. That was part of my skepticism. Would would four or five band leaders be able to work together? And so we did. It was it was working real good. Spencer had a problem with it though, and every once in a while he would get real upset with some of our little shortcomings. Like, you know, we're supposed to leave at two o'clock, and if it's five after two. You know, I was okay. We'd give a guy five minutes, give him ten minutes if he needs it, you know. Spencer couldn't handle that. He just thought that was terrible, and he used to complain. And So he started threatening to quit the band. I've got to quit this band. And which, oh, no, Spencer, hey, man, you know, it's cool. We'll straighten out all this stuff. Uh, just stick with us, because things are going good. And we were together for well over a year, year and a half. And uh, finally, one time, uh, Spencer was kind of blew up. He kind of got upset. And rightly so, there was something that somebody did wrong. But rather than overlook it and chalk it up and realize that sometimes these things could threaten the, the fabric of this group, he wanted to pull out. And I just said, well, okay, you say you want to quit. I think you should. So we let Spencer leave. And so now it was the four of us. I'll tell you some things about the Classic Rock All-Stars because it went from 92 to 2010. 18 years together on the road. There was a time we got a call to go to Japan 
And we went with uh, Robbie Krieger from The Doors and Spencer, of course, the whole band, Mike, Jerry, myself, and Dennis. And when we got to Japan, we, getting off the plane, we had to walk a ways, 100 yards or so, and take a right down this other hall. So Robbie and I are walking, and Spencer's about 15 feet behind us walking along, and he's talking to himself or whatever. And so we got to this intersection of the hallways and he blurted out, you've got to make a right-hand turn here. He says, you bloody Americans, you're all the same. You just, you know, and he, I was getting real tired of that stuff. So I just turned around and I said, you know, Spencer. So we got to Kadena Air Force Base and we were setting up for the show. And we got, it was showtime. And we walked out, sat down our instruments, all of a sudden, raindrops, here they come. And in no time at all, it was pouring down rain. So we hightailed it off the stage and out of there, back to the hotel. We never did play at Kadena Air Force Base. It was too much thunderstorm stuff. So the next day, we got up and went to the airport and we flew back home, all the way to Japan and no show. Anyways, just thought I'd tell you about that one. Well, thanks for listening. My name is Peter Rivera, original lead singer-drummer of Rare Earth, and I really appreciate that you've listened to these podcasts. I hope you come back and check out more. I've got a lot ahead of us and a lot of the story for you, so come on back and hang with me for a while.